from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Friday, October 14th, 2016. Today's show presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Get a free quote for your customized apparel right now by calling 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Send them an email, beantownathletics at gmail.com or visit their website, beantownathletics.com. And oh yeah, the best skate shopping in New England is right here at Beantown Athletics. Bring your skates in today. You can find the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester and plenty of parking out back. Welcome to the show as we send you into the weekend with a whole lot of NFL talk. I will give my preview for week six in the NFL. I'll close out the show with picks picks for week six and our daily fantasy expert and millionaire maker Rob Gomes will join me in just a few moments in studio for our weekly fantasy football conversation presented by CrossFit 617. Uh, Pete, Good morning. How you doing today? I'm good. How are I, you? I, I'm good. Before I That's get into good. some Major League Baseball uh, postseason stuff and then into the NFL, um, I got a little bone to pick with with what's going on here at Beantown Athletics. Uh, well, actually, first I'd like to ask, did my own personal discount of the David Ortiz t-shirts half off, did that did that go over well and back with the boys with Tony and, I don't and know, Johnny dude, I, Spreadsheets and Joey t-shirts? I don't did, know if anybody actually knows. Nobody knew that. Nobody, I cut ba- it in nobody half? knew back there. No. Besides the listeners and all the people that walk in. Yeah, they we know they don't listen. We know they don't listen back there. <laughs> we know they have no idea what podcasting is in the back. Um, but I come in here today in the studio, and uh, you know the shades are closed. We got this nice big studio right on Granite Ave. Two huge windows, wide open. Knock the wall down to get this studio in here looking nice and state of the art, which it is. I come in this morning. And there's a fucking dog ball on the ground in here. Beans. Beans is the, the Beantown Athletics dog. It's Tony's dog. What Tony? What do we call him? Co-owner? Is that what we're calling him? For the, just to dis- we, everybody knows, you know, this is his spot. But for the people that don't know Tony, co-owner, is that what, is that what we will describe him as? That sounds good, yeah. That sounds good. Okay, and Tony's dog. And Beans is dog. the mascot. And Beans, Beans is, is the, the mascot, mascot or Tony's dog? He's I, the I mascot. Guess. Whatever you want to call him. People that, love right? Beans, all right? What, yeah, okay. I love Beans, too. But I don't want him eating and drinking in my fucking studio, okay? I don't know what's going on in here when I'm not here. But, and, and I'm not just, since I do the podcast Mondays and Fridays, I still come in. I still do some work. Like, this is my office, too. There was a dog ball down here. Like, it's what you guys want to do, you, you know, Tony wants to come in here and play with the, you know, the bobbleheads that are in here. I know they're always a little messed up. I can tell Tony loves coming in here and just playing with Mookie Betts and Xander Bogots and Brock Lesnar, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all the bobbleheads. If you'd like to see all the bobbleheads we have, follow me on Instagram. I put a couple of pictures up there, especially lately with all the new and improved bobbleheads we have. But I, that's one thing. It's another thing to have beans in here eating and, and drinking. I'm, I had to move the bowls myself today. That's not. I don't want to be doing that shit. So... You get, hopefully Tony starts listening to the podcast and he gets the message. Don't be feeding the dog in the studio. That's This is not what this is for. This is for a podcast and that's it. And that's what we're going to do right now. So um, what I watched last night on Thursday night, I didn't pay any attention to Thursday night football, though if you're interested, San Diego beat Denver 21-13. to The Denver Broncos now 
in a little bit of a situation where they've lost two straight. They're four and two. That means Oakland is atop the division in the AFC West with a four and one record. Who told you about the Oakland Raiders? Me. I told you about them. I didn't tell you they'd win the division, but I told you to make the playoffs. I still don't know that they're going to win this division. Denver certainly has some things I think they need to figure out at the quarterback position. Uh, perhaps it looked a little too good in the first couple weeks. And, of course, Simeon, uh, he went down. He missed some time. And then Paxton Lynch had to come in. But Simeon returned last night. And they lose to San Diego. And I don't care where that game's played. Now, I didn't watch any of this one. But all, all you really need to know is I looked at the summary today. Here's, if you miss this game, San Diego wins 21-13. San Diego now 2-4. and four. They're in last place in that division. You get a five-yard touchdown pass from Phillip Rivers. You get a, a Chargers field goal, a Broncos field goal. Then the third quarter begins. You get a Chargers field goal, a Chargers field goal, another Chargers field goal. Fourth quarter begins. Uh, safety. And then... A Broncos five-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Simeon and a Broncos field goal. And then I think they recovered the onside kick and then nothing could happen on a deep pass uh, from Simeon. And that was it. I mean, that's all you need to know, right? Touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, safety, touchdown, field goal. Um, It's just, there was more going on last night. Locally, the Bruins began their season with a big win. Uh, and, And people calling that a character win. The NHL season has begun. I'm not really ready for it. Like, it still kind of has that preseason feel to me. I did not get into the World Cup of Hockey. But, look, I'm curious to see what this Bruins team is going to be. And last night, they opened the season with a huge come-from-behind win in Columbus. They trailed this game 3-1. to one. They come back and win it 6-3 to three on the road. That's a big win. I don't care who you're playing. You trail 3-1 to one and come back on the road and win 6-3? That is a great sign, and you get two goals from David Backus, the newest Bruin, two goals from Brad Marchand, and one of those goals was just filthy. It was like a video game goal by Brad Marchand where he comes down the right side, comes over the middle, and just, you know, taps it through a guy's skates and then puts it upstairs. Um, Just a filthy goal. Marchand had two goals. He ended up having five points, two goals, three assists, and David Pasternak with a pair of goals as well. So the Bruins win at 6-3. I still think you can see in this game that some of the young defensemen that they're rolling out there, there's going to be some growing pains. Like, there's going to be some issues on the defensive end. The Bruins are going to have some issues in their own zone. But when they And when they trailed 3-1 to one in this game last night, I'm saying to myself, well, you know what? They missed Bergeron. They're not doing anything right in their own zone. They missed Patrice Bergeron. You know, they had a lot of bad giveaways. I think Bergeron sets the tone for this team and sets the tone for the rest of the forwards and basically sets the example on the ice. Okay, here's what you got to do in your own zone. Like, Bergeron is so good at that, and I think when you miss him, then the, that, that affects the rest of the team, and especially the rest of the offense and what they're doing in their own zone, which is obviously going to affect what the young, inexperienced defensemen are doing in their own zone. So you're going to see growing pains. You saw some of it last night. But to have those sort of growing pains and mistakes in your own zone and still be able to come from behind down 3-1 and win at 6-3, I mean, I think what we learned last night is that when they do get Bergeron back, this team is going to be exciting. I'm not trying to say they're going to be a favorite to win the division or even the Stanley Cup, but 
when it comes to just trying to get back into the playoffs, something that the Bruins have missed the last two seasons, you know, if Tuka Rask can be one of the top goalies in the NHL, which which I believe he is, then this Bruins team is going to compete for a playoff spot. It's to get back into the playoffs. And when you get into the tournament, well, we got to see what they are by the time the tournament comes, by the time the Stanley Cup playoffs arrive. It's way too early, though, for me to get too worked up about potential Stanley Cup playoff matchups when you just had this season opener last night. But when you asked on Thursday night what I watched, I didn't watch the Broncos-Chargers game. I watched the Bruins, and when the Bruins were at commercial, you know what I did? I watched postseason baseball, and, and I ended up watching more postseason baseball than even the Bruins because this was one heck of a game. I mean, if you're... If you're not a baseball fan, though, this game last night, Dodgers-Nationals, it might not have been for you because it didn't have the best pace. There were a lot of changes, which is expected in a National League game. You know, you you see more changes in the National League, more substitutions, more pitching changes, more pinch hitters, pinch runners. You see more changes in a National League game than you'll see in an American League game, especially in the playoffs and especially in in a Game 5 of a National League Divisional Series in which, a, you know, again, for people that don't know, the first round of the playoffs is always a best of five. Now, the second round, the, the NLCS and ALCS is a best of seven. Same thing as the World Series. But the first round, the Divisional Series, is always a best of five. So last night, it's Game 5. In D.C., the Nationals host the L.A. Dodgers. And, you know, Rich Hill, by the way, Rich Hill, friend of the show, Rich Hill, had him on this show a couple times over the last year and a half. And uh, what do we call him? Milton's Finest? Is that what we're doing? Milton's Finest? Milton, Massachusetts? So he was on this show, and we obviously root for him because he's a local guy and because he's a friend of the show. Uh, I, I think, what was he dealing with? Some type of blister issue? Didn't last very long in this game last night, but but Dodgers manager Dave Roberts was playing it safe. It was a a one nothing game. Dodgers end up battling back. They they take the lead, and when they take the lead, I mean, they went to their closer early. Dodgers went to their closer early, but then they go to Clayton Kershaw on one day rest to come out of the pen, and he gets the save in this one. Gets the save. Clayton Kershaw, he goes two-thirds of an inning, gets two outs, gets a strikeout through only seven pitches, but here's what Kershaw did in this series. Uh, he pitched game one. Then he pitched game four on short rest, okay? And then he gets one day rest and comes out of the the bullpen. Now, Kershaw is doing some things in which I don't think many people expected him to do if you go to the postseason record that he had, I think, heading into last year's playoffs. A lot of people said, oh, this guy can't get it done in in the playoffs. He doesn't have it. Right? They they knocked him. Now, nobody was knocking Kershaw's stuff. I think they're knocking the mindset when you get to the postseason and there's so much more pressure and everything's on the line. You know, there are certain guys in professional sports that, that you know, they can't handle the pressure. And I think a lot of people were looking at Clayton Kershaw's postseason career heading into last year's postseason, and they were saying, this guy can't get it done when it matters the most. Regular season is one thing. And we're not questioning his stuff. His stuff is filthy, but he just can't put it all together in the playoffs. Well, Clayton Kershaw, he got that postseason monkey off his back. He did the job last year. I know the Dodgers didn't go on to win a championship, but, you know, Kershaw certainly, in a couple games that he pitched, 
in the playoffs last year proved that he can dominate in the postseason. It's not just a regular season thing. And I think that was big for him. That was big for his psyche. That was big for his mindset and mentality coming into this year's playoffs. And he's playing a damn good Washington Nationals team. And, uh, you know, look, he allows three on runs in game one. But I think if you watch that game, you know, he minimized the damage. And it's something I wanted to see David Price do. Or Rick Porcello do for the Red Sox. And they're starting pitching. And they couldn't do that. Kershaw could do that. Uh, the game that he pitched on short rest wasn't, you know, wasn't his best game. But they end up winning the game last night in game five. Because Kershaw comes out of the pen and gets him, he gets him two outs to end the game. And Kershaw just proves to be an absolute beast and a horse. And he's ready to go whenever they need him. And now the Dodgers are going to the NLCS. So... Uh, the league championship series is set in both the American League and National League. I only got one of these picks wrong. And that was, I did not pick the Cleveland Indians. I picked the Red Sox to beat the Indians. But I did pick the Blue Jays to get there. So the Blue Jays and the Indians, their game one is actually tonight on this Friday night, October 14th. Marco Estrada goes up against Corey Kluber. I would put my this one in Cleveland. I loved how Kluber pitched in Game 2 against the Red Sox. I think Kluber is going to get the job done tonight. Now, I told you the Blue Jays, going into the postseason, before the wildcard games were even played, I told you that Toronto was going to win it all, okay? And uh, I still believe that to be the case. Now, it's a best-of-seven series in the ALCS. It opens up in Cleveland. You're going 2-3-2. It's a 2-3-2 series, right? So, game, games 3, 4, and 5 in Toronto. I hate the 2-3-2. I think it's uh, I think it puts the team that has that should have the home field at a disadvantage because basically if you have the first two home games and you split what you got to play three straight on the road that doesn't make any sense to me. That makes no sense. That puts you at a disadvantage and why should you be at a disadvantage if you split at home in the first two? Why should you be at a disadvantage there? I don't think you should. Um so, I don't like the 2-3-2. I don't like the idea that if you should have home field, you have to go play three straight after the first two. Three straight on the road. I don't like that. That's what Cleveland's going to have to do. I think that's going to benefit Toronto. As you can tell, Toronto won two games in Texas. They can win on the road, especially in the playoffs. I think Toronto's still going to win this series. But game one, I'm going to take Kluber. I, I, just, I, would, I would jump all over Kluber in this one and tell you that the Indians are going to take game one. And then game two is going to be Saturday, tomorrow, Saturday, October 15th at 4 o'clock in Cleveland. Jay Happ against Trevor Bauer. I would put my money on Jay Happ. A 20-game winner this season. Going to get some votes for the Cy Young. Um, I think Toronto wins game two. So I'll, I'll take Cleveland game one, Toronto game two. Now you look at the NLCS, with the, which is set. Dodgers and the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs, they will get home field advantage. And game one is going to be tomorrow, Saturday, October 15th at 8 o'clock. John Lester on the mound for the Cubs. It is as of me right now recording this show on Friday morning. Um, the Dodgers do not know what they're doing in game one. They, don't, they have not released their plan for their rotation uh, the rest of that series. But we do know that John Lester is going to go game one tomorrow night, Saturday night. Uh, in the NLCS. So I'm all about playoff baseball. And the final four teams are set. Blue Jays, Indians, 
Dodgers, Cubs, only one of those teams I got wrong in my predictions, and that was the Indians. I did not have the Indians in this series. I had the Red Sox. And speaking of the Red Sox, there, ha- there was some news this week with the Red Sox, and it's that manager John Farrell will return to the team. Now, if you're like me, and you understand that John Farrell is under contract for next season, and you understand that John Farrell is not the reason the Red Sox, you know, it's not, he's not the reason the Red Sox season is over, then this is sort of expected that he's going to come back. Now, I think it was weird the way they did it. Like, John Farrell had a press conference, and then Dave Dombrowski spoke about, you know, had a press conference right after John Farrell. They didn't speak together. And Dombrowski opens his press conference answering a question saying, you know what? I just talked to John in the hall and I told him that he's returning next season and that his whole coaching staff is invited back. I mean, I don't know if that's the truth or not. I don't know if he's trying to stir it up, but that's a weird way to tell the manager he's returning. It's, I mean, it's kind of weird to me that you even have that conversation knowing that he's under contract and you won the division, right? Like, I feel like the only time you should have a conversation with the manager if he's under contract, if you win the division, is if you're going to fire him. I, and so I, I don't really know how to take the way they told him or why they even told him. I just expected Farrell to be back. Like, people kept asking me, the, you know, at the end of the regular season, when they win the division, they're like, oh, you think Farrell will be back next year? I said, the only way Farrell gets fired is if he does something so bad in the divisional series that costs them either a game or two games or the entire series, that's the only way he gets fired. I mean, realistically, how are you going to fire a guy who won a championship for you in 2013? And then, sure, he spent two years in the basement of the division, okay? But, but you know, things happen, right? Things happen there. They didn't pitch in, you know, they didn't pitch the way they are capable of pitching in 2014. And, um, you know, it's the year after they won a championship, so you're not going to fire a manager there. And then, you know, in, in the middle of that season, they trade their best pitchers who, who actually weren't pitching their best at the time. And so last year, you really had no pitching whatsoever. This year, you make some moves. You bring in David Price. You bring in Craig Kimbrell. You had some issues this season, but you won the division. You're not going to fire a manager who wins the division, who won a championship a couple of years ago, unless he does something so bad in the playoffs that you look at it and say, all right, this combined with some other things that happened in the regular season, maybe this isn't the best fit. Maybe we move on from this, right? But that, that didn't happen. John Farrell did not cost his team the ALDS. He didn't. I, I wrote in the Boston Metro. You can go read my column. I linked it everywhere this week in the Metro. There are two guys, if you're asking me, and I, I went on a rant on this on Monday's podcast as well, if you're asking me what went wrong in the ALDS, it's Rick Porcello and David Price, the team's two best pitches, the team's two top dogs at the top of the starting rotation, they did not show up when the Red Sox needed them most. They didn't. And, you know, people were firing back at me on Twitter saying, well, the offense didn't do anything. And my response to that is, no shit. Read the fucking story. I point that out. The offense, certainly, I'm not letting the offense off the hook. Look, the Red Sox offense, they didn't get the job done. I think that's obvious. They got shut out in game two. Uh, 
you know, they scored only three runs in Game 3 at home, a game in which I thought they would explode off of Josh Tomlin. They didn't. Now, but you go back to Game 1, and you say, listen, if you could have split in Cleveland, you would have been guaranteed two games at home in this series, okay? You would have been And you would have been guaranteed giving the ball back to Rick Porcello in a Game 4. So, all you had to do was win one of those two games in Cleveland. And it's just, you didn't do it because your starting pitching didn't show up. And I know that you got shut out in game two and you can knock the offense all you want, but at some point, you got to tip your cap to Corey Kluber and say, look, he's an ace. He dominated. You were asking David Price to maybe try to match what he could do, but obviously, as we know, David Price, I mean, he just, look, David Price just doesn't have the same stuff that Corey Kluber does. So, and he certainly did in that game. And we know what David Price is in the postseason. He's no good. All right? We're learning that. Now, can David Price... Can he turn that around at some point? Maybe. I'm not going to sit here and completely rule it out that he, could t- that he could turn it around in the postseason. But he better do it soon. Like, he better do it next year. Because I don't know how many more shots you get at it, at least in this town, before there is some type of crazy move and just getting rid of him and saying, you know what, we made a mistake. Um, but I, I do think, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be moving price. I think they'll give him another shot. I think he'll have another shot to to perform in the postseason in this town. And until we get there, you know, then, you know, then I guess we'll, we'll be able to evaluate it better then. But this year, I mean, it was much the same in the postseason for David Price. No good. But game one to me, it's like Rick Porcello, this is a guy who could get the Cy Young. Like, how, how are people not worked up about that? He let up three solo home runs, three solo home runs in one inning. One single inning, three home runs. And it came in the third inning. Um, that's, that is, that is not what you call minimizing damage. He should be lucky there were three solo home runs, but it can't happen. You took a 2-1 lead the half inning before then on an Andrew Benatendi home run. You take a 2-1 lead, you should be saying, okay, we got our, our ace on the mound. We should be able to shut this team down and we should be able to win this game 3-1, maybe 4-1. But that's not what happened. And don't give me the well, if it was at Fenway, things would have been different. How do you know? I have no idea. Look, home field advantage, it's a real thing, but if, you, if you're starting pitch, it doesn't have his best stuff, I don't care where you're playing. And people make it sound like going on the road in the playoffs as a starting pitcher is such an impossible task to dominate on the road. It's not. It's been done before, okay? It's been done before. So don't give me this home road thing, and that's the real reason. The real reason the Red Sox are not playing right now has nothing to do, in my opinion, with home road. It has nothing to do with the manager. It has all to do with the Red Sox top two starting pitches didn't show up when the team needed them most. You got to be able to win the 4-1 game, the 4-2 game, the 3-1 game, the 3-2 game in the postseason. And Porcello could have done that in game one. And then even in game three, Drew Pomeranz out of the pen. The two-run home run of Coco Crisp. I mean, that thing is going to haunt me, haunt my dreams uh, for another year. But um, look, this is not on John Farrell. That's my point. That's my main point here. John Farrell will return, and my reaction is like, okay, I expect that, and I'm okay with it. Is it going to be a short leash? Maybe, but let's see when the time comes. Let's get to next season. Now, let's see what they do this offseason, and there's plenty of time to talk about the Red Sox offseason and the moves, the winter meetings, the GM meetings, you name it. I'll get it all. Uh, working on a couple special guests to come on this show. As you know, I've had the GM of the Red Sox, Mike Hazen, on. And uh, I think we're going to be getting him on soon. 
again, to sort of recap the season. And when we do, I mean, I'll ask him about the David Price stuff. Because I'd love to get, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to get inside their head on that. Maybe we'll try to get Sam Kennedy in here too. I've had him on the show a couple times. Red Sox president, Sam Kennedy. So we'll, we'll look uh, to see what those guys think of this team in this offseason moving forward. But the news this week is that John Farrell will return. And, and I sort of expect, I expected that to be the case. And I'm okay with it too. I'm okay with it. So postseason baseball, uh, we get the NHL season beginning. Obviously, we're in the middle of the NFL, but real one one quick NHL thought before I get into some NFL and bring Rob Gomes here, who is just I just saw him standing outside the studio. I I mean I thought he was like in the in the window, you know, and you're breathing heavy into the window, right? And you get the fog coming in, like there he is. Like I I you know I just see him walking around out there. He's pacing. He's got some picks. I can tell. He's got some. He helped Pete win 250 bucks last week. He's writing messages in the fog on the window. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing <laughs> out there. Well, the 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 true. You want the true story is that here's the true story. I'm going to be, let, let's, let's be honest about this. I'm, I'm pretty honest with you on this show. And um, you give a little behind the scenes look at, at everything that goes on. So I, I don't, I don't want to hurt the kid's feelings. I know he's listening right now. He's, you know, he's laughing. He's, he's laughing. It's all funny until he hears what I'm about to say. Um, so here's the deal. He comes in here early, and it's a great thing that he's in here early, prepared. He's got, you know, he works hard. This, this He loves doing this shit, and I love having him in. But he was in here before me last week. He was in here before me last week. And, you know, this is kind of like my office, like I said. So I come in like I want to prepare. Like, Rob, love you. I don't want you in here when I'm preparing. Like, that's not, I don't, I just don't want that, okay? And then, I, he's in here when I'm opening the show. Like, it's tough to kick him out. So, you know what I said after the show? I said, uh, next week, can you just, he's going to have to go outside the glass when I, when I record the open. So, now he's out there pacing. He's walking back and forth. He's just waiting to get in. And uh, when he does come in, well, we will have a fantasy football conversation. Again, he helped Pete win 250 bucks last week. So, you want to stick around and listen to that. And we will talk about the daily fantasy options for you for week six, which began last night. I just told you Denver lost to San Diego here locally. Uh, I'm getting ready for the Patriots to whoop Cincinnati at Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady returned last week. I don't know. Was it overshadowed with the Red Sox stuff? I don't know if it was overshadowed, but I definitely did a show the other night on WEI from 6 to 10 p.m. And we did all Red Sox, took all Red Sox calls. And that was it. And I left it open for Patriots, too, but nobody really wanted to talk about it. I think because we expected Brady to return and dominate, and he did through for 400 yards. It was on the road against a winless Cleveland team. Now you come home and you take on a Cincinnati Bengal team that's 2-3. and three. And the Bengals, I mean, they're disappointing, right? I never, re- I'm not one of these guys that picks Cincinnati to win the division every year or do something crazy, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do. And Cincinnati last week, uh, they are coming off a 28 to 14 loss in Dallas. Now, it's a very good Dallas team. Dallas is 4 and all. You know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. I think the Cowboys are just stupid if they go back to Romo right now, especially if Dallas somehow beats Green Bay. If Dallas, be- how are you gonna, how are you gonna justify bringing back the turnover machine that is Tony Romo in the big spot? It turns it over in big spots. I just, I'm sorry. I don't know how. If you beat Green Bay, you cannot go back to Tony Romo. I think even if you lose to Green Bay, you got to stick with Dak Prescott. But 
Anyways, the point is, Dallas is a good team right now. Two rookies there, Prescott, Elliott. Uh, they're really helping this Cowboys team out. And But Cincinnati loses in Dallas. Look, Cincinnati, the only wins that they have this season are against the Jets, who are 1-4, and, and against the Dolphins, who are 1-4. So their wins are against two teams whose combined record is 2-8. and eight. That's not good. That's not good. Now, Pittsburgh's lost to some good teams. Excuse me. Uh, since he's lost to some good teams, they lost to Pittsburgh, they lost to Denver, and they lost to Dallas, I just told you. Um, since he's got a good pass defense, but... They come to Gillette. Tom Brady is returning home. The place is going to be jacked up. We don't even have any Red Sox to talk about or watch right now or pay attention to right now. So everyone's focused on the Patriots. Gillette Stadium is going to be bumping. And that's coming from a guy that believes that stadium sucks and the noise level in that stadium sucks, not because of the fans, but because of the way that stadium is constructed with that big opening on one side with the tunnel. Like, that's the dumbest construction of a stadium I've ever seen if you're looking for crowd noise. But, um, you know, when they're playing defense against against other teams. But place is going to be rocking. The energy in there is going to be off the hook. And Tom Brady is going to dominate the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm expecting a blowout. Right now, uh, the New England Patriots are a nine-point favorite in this one. So that's what we're looking at for week six in the NFL. Are the teams that have a bye this week? You got two of them. Minnesota and Tampa Bay. Two teams with buys in week six. And just a rundown of some of the games. As I mentioned, week six began with San Diego beating Denver in San Diego last night. But you're going to have San Francisco, who's going back to Colin Kaepernick. They are in Buffalo to take on the Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have won three straight, and the Bills are three and two. I think San Francisco should have gone back to Kaepernick two weeks ago. They're finally going to go back to him. We'll see how that unfolds in his first game back. Might take a couple weeks. I don't know. Um, but right now, the Bills are a nine-point favorite uh, in Buffalo. I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd stay away from that one only because San Francisco has the big playability with Colin Kaepernick. It's, it's there. It exists. When he's playing. Will they put it together for a win, San Fran? I don't know. But I do think they can make it exciting. And I'd still, even though Buffalo's won three straight, I don't know that I necessarily believe in the Bills. Then you got Jacksonville in Chicago. That's a brutal game. Who's going to watch that? Jaguars against the Bears. The one and three Jaguars against the one and four Bears. Chicago's a two and a half point favorite. They got issues with Cutler. He might be open to, to moving or making a move. Who cares? Jay Cutler. Does anybody look at him as an elite quarterback in this league? You shouldn't. And his attitude sucks. Uh, the Rams at three and two go to Detroit at two and three. Detroit's a three-point favorite. That's a game against two teams that every week I feel like we learn more about. And then we're also surprised by what we learn. You get what I'm saying? So, which means we don't know anything about the Rams in Detroit, in my opinion. So, I'd be hesitant to, to put any money on that game. Then you got Cleveland in Tennessee. Uh, the 2-3 and three Titans, they host the 0-5 Browns. We went over the Browns schedule on Monday, up and down every game. And we asked the question, can they win after every game? Can they win this one? We had a lot of no's and two maybes. Those maybes were at the end of the year. And um, 
this one was a no. Tennessee's going to beat Cleveland. Tennessee's a good team. Tennessee's a seven-point favorite. They could beat Cleveland by more than seven in Tennessee. Uh, then you got Pittsburgh in Miami. The Steelers at four and one. The Dolphins at one and four. Since Pittsburgh, since they lost to the Eagles and only scored three points, they've been rolling with the return of Le'Veon Bell. Miami's no good. Pittsburgh, uh, right now, they are an eight point favorite. I got some different spreads on different sites, so so bear with me if, you know, maybe a half point here, half point there. I'll get my picks to close out the show again, uh, but Pittsburgh and Miami at 1 o'clock. Carolina in New Orleans. This is at 1 o'clock as well. Carolina, a 2.5 point favorite in New Orleans. Two teams with only one win. Uh, that's weird. I never would have thought when these two teams faced each other in week six that they'd have a combined two wins, but Cam Newton's going to return uh, from his concussion. So I think both of these teams may be better than their record show. That could be an exciting game in New Orleans. Carolina, a favorite on the road in New Orleans. Baltimore, another 1 o'clock game. Baltimore at 3-2. and two. They are in New York, in New Jersey, I guess, to take on the Giants. A 3-2 Ravens against the 2-3 and three Giants. Giants are three-point favorites in this one. The Eagles at 3-1. and one. They are in D.C. to take on the Redskins. The 3-2 and two Redskins. Uh, Washington... They have won three straight, so keep an eye on them. Philly, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in D.C. Uh, Kansas City, a four-o'clock start. Here's the four-o'clock starts. Kansas City, a two-and-two. They are in Oakland to take on the Raiders at four-and-one. Kansas City, what are they, a favorite? Are they a favorite right now in this one? Yeah, one-point favorite. Depends on where you go. Another side is them as a two-point favorite. Chiefs, uh, oh, so Oakland at four-and-one. First place. When's the last time you saw a first place team in their own building who's playing great football be a dog? When's the last time you saw that? Um, and what's surprising about it, I guess this teases my picks. I didn't take them. But I'm starting to think maybe I should. Because I make my picks early in the week. And I sort of edit them maybe as the days go on. And I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know when the, what this opened as. Did you see this, Pete? I don't think the raid is opened as a dog. What happened? Is there an injury that I don't know about? They opened at uh, they were minus one. Uh, they were minus one and a half. They were. Yeah, when it opened. And now they're on Tuesday. Now they're a two one point dog, two point dog. Wow. I mean, what happened? There must be an injury there. That I don't know about. Maybe Rob Gomes will tell us. Maybe. Um, yeah. Wow. Oakland a dog. So that should be a good one. That's one of the best games of the week. Kansas City in Oakland. And the division could be on the line, too, with these two teams. The head-to-head matchups, you got to win those. Dallas, 425, they are in Green Bay. Huge game for Dak Prescott. If he wins this, if, if Prescott goes into Lambeau and wins, you can't put Romo in. You can't do it. Can't do it. Um, Atlanta, they are in Seattle. It's part of my picks. I'll get to that in a bit. Indy, Sunday Night Football, Indianapolis in Houston, that's a big divisional matchup against a division that's going to be another dogfight. Uh, I have that game as well, and um, that I have that game for my pick, so stick around for that. And then Monday Night Football, Jets, Arizona, in Arizona. The 1-4 Jets against the 2-3 and three Cardinals right now. Cardinals, as you would expect in this game, are a 7.5-point favorite. But the Cardinals have disappointed, and they've been that team that I bet on a couple weeks early and just really shit the bed that I am just going to stay away from them, right? I'm going to stay away from them. So that's what week six in the NFL looks like when it comes to the matchups with the teams. Uh, 
with those team matchups, we talk about individual players and fantasy football, but not just fantasy football, daily fantasy football. And uh, that's why I'm going to bring in Rob Gomes, my fantasy football expert. He joins me uh, in just a few moments, presented by CrossFit 617. So stick around for that conversation right now. And then stick around after that. I'm going to give my picks, 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 five games with the spread. I do it every Friday. My record is not good so far in the season, but I'm feeling good about this week. I am. I got four home teams, all of them favorites. So I'll give you my picks to close out the show. But right now, uh, Rob Gomes, my conversation with him. Enjoy. And again, stick around for Picks Picks afterwards. All right, it's time to talk with our daily fantasy sports expert, Rob Gomes. And our conversation with Rob Gomes, presented by CrossFit 617. Train hard, live healthy, feel better. Sign up today for a free one-week trial at CrossFit617.com. Rob Thanks for joining me today. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. Glad to be here. Uh, it's glad to have you back. I know you're out there pacing around outside the studio. You okay? Yeah. Did you yeah, have yeah. to take a piss or something? Is that why you were running around like that? I was a little nervous, to be perfectly honest. Are you still nervous when you come in here? Uh, a little bit. Why? Why are you nervous when you come in here? I don't know. You're pretty intimidating. I am. I would say I'm like fucking five foot seven. Even <laughs> not even. Yeah, I know. I, it's just... Uh... Oh, it's just the, it's the equipment. You can say it. We have such a nice studio in here. You're intimidated by the professionalism of this studio. That's what I, that's what I was going to say, exactly. I, I just took the words right out of your mouth that you didn't even know you had. So, um, listen, last we do the, we're going to do this every week. For the people that don't listen, haven't listened to the show yet, you're going to join me every week in studio. And we're not just giving fantasy football advice. I think that's something people might... Like, this is, like, if you're in a fantasy football league, this really, it kind of isn't for you. Like, we're talking about daily fantasy sports. All day, DFS. DFS. Now, if I tweeted out DFS, would people know what that meant? Yeah, hashtag it. Hashtag DFS? Yeah, whole community. <laughs> yeah, are you, like, I can't tell if you're kidding or not. No, dead you, serious. You sound like you're being sarcastic. No, it's it's kind of crazy because, yeah, there's a daily fantasy sports community. I, I, I don't know. So, if I hashtag DFS, it's going to get a, a whole... Another group of listeners. Either. Yeah, but I would say so, possibly. All right. Um, I, one other thing I was going to ask you. Are you intimidated when you come in every week because you think... Because here's something that that we haven't talked about that I feel like maybe I should should bring it up. But part of me is thinking, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is the right time. Like, is it is it too soon? Yep. You, won, when, you won the million. We've talked about you winning the million. We talked about the oversized check and what you've done with the check. And yeah. We've talked about the fact that really, you know, it was your brother that picked the team and not you. Happy <laughs> um, Gilmore check. We talked about all that. But we never really got into the dirty details. And there, look, in the streets, there are, have always been rumors about the dirty details of you winning the million. And yep. I'm kind of hesitant to really bring the dirty details of the street talk onto this show because it could get, could get, Little shady, um, could get some people in trouble. But but do you know the rumors in the street? I have no idea. I kind of just do what you know? I got to do. All right, the rumors in the street is that Jonas Gray was yeah. was the guy that won for you. I would say so. Yeah, and that it wasn't like a strategic pick though. And I don't know if this is, is ex- taking the value out of this segment right now uh, <laughs> and taking credit away from you. But is it true? That the Jonas, you won the million on the Jonas Gray game, which was, what, he had 200 yards rushing against Indianapolis or something crazy, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Next thing you know, he's missing meetings. Next thing you know, um, he was released. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, but you had the Jonas Gray game, and you just kind of picked him up last minute, and it was luck. We Is had, that what we're going with? We had him all week. We had him in a couple different lineups all week. Yeah, uh, we won a little bit more than the million because we had him in those lineups. Finished like three or four lineups in the top 100. Uh, we basically figured that they were going on the road to Indy. Blown had the playoff game. I think he had three touchdowns the year previously uh, versus Indianapolis Colts. It was in Foxborough, but the same game plan kind of had to apply because obviously Luck's as good as he is, and the Pats wanted to play keep away in a sense. So that was why we went with Jonas. We didn't obviously expect him to score four touchdowns. I think we had him for like a hundred and a TD. Uh, yeah, but he was someone that we were basically talking, going back and forth all week. Like, do you like him? Yeah, I like him. Do you like him? He said, yeah, I like him. That's how we kind of got to that point. All right. So when I'm in Marisola's, you know, this weekend and Guy Marisola, you know, tries to tell me that you got lucky with the Jonas Gray, I can, I can, Really, just shoot down all the street rumors and say they, they had Jonas Gray the whole the whole time. Well, it wasn't just Jonas Gray either. We had the Bucks D. Uh, Jonas Gray was like point zero point zero six percent owned or point six percent owned, and uh, I think the Bucks D was point zero seven or point seven percent owned. Uh, they had twenty two points. Uh, no one had them as well. And then we had obviously Rogers, uh, Cobb, and Nelson. They had they Cobb and Nelson both had two TDs from Rogers. They both dropped a touchdown. So we're pretty much on them as well. You need everything. Oh, so you remember everything that week. When you win a million, you remember everything, right? I remember every pick. I have a good memory as it is, so I don't know. Uh, Transitioning from basically the million to that, a couple nice picks last week. Yeah, you did. Nice transition, too. You're not making me do transitions. I like it. This is going to be – you're in here before me every week. This is going to be your show pretty soon. Um, uh, Last week, you had – let me get a couple picks that you got right. Yep. Brandon Marshall. Yep. Killed it, right? Yeah, his beast. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Yep. Nice pick by you. Sammy Coach, wide receiver for the Steelers. Yeah, that was another pick by my you. My best pick of the week, I think. Right I think there. I released him in my fantasy team, my other league. Yeah. Not, not, I, this was before I, I heard you say his name last week. Okay. Of course. Okay. I'm taking your advice. And you had Amari Cooper. So those are four guys that you that you pretty much nailed it. And, um, you know, I was just saying the Jonas Gray stuff in jest, but I'm always going to ask you about that millionaire team. No, You're I, always going to get asked about that. I, try, I get it a lot. I still get asked about it. Uh, Dave still gets asked about it. It's pretty cool. Uh, we don't mind it. Um, so last week, a couple nice picks for you. Pete, I should tell you, Pete won 250 bucks because of you. Yeah, I'm glad to be a, a little bit of help. I think Pete could definitely put the lineup together himself, but. If I help them out, well, pretty much could. I just sit here and put lineups in while you guys talk. Yeah, so that's what he it does. It benefits myself. And I think other people should do that as well. Exactly. So uh, now that we're going into week six and we know and confirm that you got a, you got some nice picks last week, uh, I, I begin this segment when it comes to questioning your lineup. I begin it with this question. Who do you got to have out of anybody, out of any price? Who do you have to have in week six in the National Football League? So I think it's easy for me to just go in and say Le'Veon Bell, but I think a lot of the uh, price in terms of roster construction this week, just the way DK salaries kind of played out, you're going to have to have a high running back. Um, Not to say Le'Veon Bell and kind of go in a different direction. I'm going to go Christine Michael going up against the Falcons. Falcons run D, pretty much atrocious. Mm. Uh, They're a home favorite. Uh, I think it's six points. Um, That's always good in terms of running backs. You know, they're going to run the ball as much as they can be in the Seattle offense. Uh, O-line's a little questionable, but I still think they can run on the Falcons. I think that Christine Michael could probably have a big game, and he gets 90% of the touches in that offense, so he's someone I, I would I would. What's the price roster. tag on him? 
6,800. Okay. Oh, I see him here. Yeah, 6,800. And by the way, a little note about the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, just to, And I, I'm still on my notes now from Picks Picks that, that you're going to hear in just a few minutes. The Falcons have allowed the most touchdowns in the NFL through week five. I mean, here they are at four and one, but they've allowed the most touchdowns. So if you are going to try to target someone, you should target someone, I think, from Seattle. It's in Seattle. You know you're going to get some touchdowns there from them, and you're going to go with their running back. Yeah. Now, I, I would consider maybe, if you look to the quarterback situation, Russell Wilson in that spot at the same time. Wilson, 6,900. I mean, the top quarterback this week is Cam Newton at 8,100, which, I don't know. I mean, coming off coming off the concussion, the Carolina not playing well, that, that seems like a risky pick to take Cam Newton as the most expensive quarterback. Not to say he can't have a good game, but don't you think that's a little too much of a risk to take him at 8,100, Cam Newton? I think the ownership is going to be tremendous in terms of Cam Newton. He think, he's averaging like 30 points versus New Orleans. Uh, the thing that kind of makes me susceptible in terms of ta- taking Cam Newton, and it's a little concerning, is the concussion issues. I don't think he's going to run as much. I think that diminishes his value. Uh, in that sense, and I think there's a couple pivots that you go could go in different directions. Uh, really like Tom Brady this week coming home off the suspension. People are going to be a little bit shady to ro- be a little bit wary of rostering Brady just because they don't really know who to pick in that offense to stack him with. Whether it's Edelman, Gronkowski, Hogan, Bennett, like we've seen last week, I think there's so many mouths to feed that they might kind of shy away. Shy away from Brady because they don't. Is that a strategy you take, stacking up one a receiver with? Because you took Roethlisberger last week, and you I, took Sammy Coates. Yeah. You try to do that every week or no? So this week I was looking at Newton. I was looking at Teddy Ginn as kind of the value play. I kind of I looked for like a quarter, if I go high in terms of my price tag, I try to go low in terms of like a value play. Mm. Uh, but my guy this week is Brady uh, as my high-end quarterback, and I'm probably going to look to Hogan. And I think Gronkowski has to get going. I know it's not a value play. Um, Bengals, basically the linebacking core is pretty terrible against covering tight ends. Vontas Burfecht might as well be a parking cone. Uh, the uh, DVOA down the middle, the deep middle, is very, they struggle in that sense. And also to the left side of the field where I think Hogan will be lining up. So. And since his past defense is, is decent, though, but I, I, I will say this. Semyon let them, lit them up like two or three weeks ago for four TDs. <sighs> yeah, but if you look at the, the numbers in the whole season, Cincinnati did – I wouldn't consider them one of the worst pass defenses in all of football. Yeah. I just wouldn't. Um, but I'll pull it up for you right here. I have pass yards per game, Cincinnati, 11th in the NFL, 224 game. I mean, it's not the best. I mean, the best pass defense in the league is Houston. They allow 181 yards a game. Uh, I, I also think that Cincinnati – I just feel like Cincinnati, they, they always seem to have a decent defense. I guess I'm waiting for them to maybe – turn it around a little bit and have that big defensive performance. I don't think you can consider the one against Miami on Thursday night football, a big defensive performance because Miami's no good. It's just, will it come this week at Gillette against the Patriots? Probably not because Tom Brady is first game back at home. You saw what he did last week. I just expect the Patriots to be firing on all cylinders offensively. And, And so, yeah, it's, it's, but it's the Patriots have so many weapons. It's tough to pick one. Like you said, yeah, but to get back to the, to get back to the, who do you have to have? Well, answer me this question before I tell you who I have to have. Okay, based uh, on the price too. I mean, the price is obviously fact. How is Tony Romo more expensive than Brock Osweiler this week? 
To explain that one to me. Oh, Osweiler's been pretty atrocious. Uh, yeah, but do, do you it's know just, who they're playing? It's just the value. Romo's Romo's not playing. It's Dak, right? That's what I mean. Yeah. So how is Romo more expensive than Brock it's just, Osweiler? It's just where they have him. Because the, the Indianapolis Colts have one of the worst pass defenses in all of football. The Houston Texans are at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts have allowed 301 pass yards a game this season. He's going to be able to throw... All over. Brock Osweiler is going to throw all over Indy in Houston. He's going to have a big day. And he's only 5400 bucks. Tony Romo's not even playing. He's a backup, and he's 5600 Yeah, no, it's just it's just due to what, where they're placed in terms of, like, however DK does their salary structure. It doesn't mean anything. It's not anything. To well, I mean, no, I guess I... I guess my point is more towards Brock Osweiler. This is somebody that, especially based on the price, you have to have. I mean, why wouldn't you take him? No, it makes sense. Uh, Brock Osweiler this week, I think, is a pretty good play since uh, Indy's uh, secondary isn't the greatest. Will Fuller's got a great matchup. Uh, I could, you could say that DeAndre Hopkins will probably get off the schneid in terms of he's got Vontae Davis, but I think he'll play pretty well. And obviously, Indy's not the greatest team right now. They're going to be scoring points because they have luck. Mm. Uh, it'll just pace up the play. Osweiler put up some points as well. Um, wide receivers. So we've gone over a couple of quarterbacks. You're obviously taking uh, running back in the Seattle-Atlanta game. Um, what about wide receivers? Is there a game you target? Is there a player you target? Who are you going with for wideouts? So in terms of wideouts, I'm kind of looking at value this week uh, just because – I think that that's how, the way it's kind of shaping up in terms of uh, lineup building and roster construction due to the salaries, mm-hmm. that, like we just talked about. Uh, for me, uh, just a high, like my high and mid buy, Allen Robinson, and I have Jeremy Macklin, but it's not the guys that I kind of want to touch uh, touch on. I kind of wanted to go low. Uh, I touched on Teddy Ginn a little earlier in the show at 3,900 um, just because of how Newton's – everyone's going to be on Benjamin, everyone's going to be on Olsen in that game, and I think Teddy Ginn's kind of sneaky because – Hasn't really played well up until this point, and Kim's going to have a lot of time in the pocket, isn't going to want to run, so he'd probably be shooting a couple balls deep downfield. It's an easy salary to, to 4X at 3900 Another guy I have, Wendell Brady, I'm going to go Chris Hogan. We've seen like what happened last week. Uh, obviously, he was knocked out of the game. He had 16 points or 18 points at that time. Mm. I think that that can carry over, and people might forget because he didn't play for the second half of – People might be a little off him in a sense just because of kind of what happened last week. I think he could have a big game. Uh, Cam Meredith's another guy I have. A lot of people are going to be on him in terms of ownership. 4,100 right now. Horry has been thrown to the right side of the field 40% of the time. That's where he lines up. Uh, had a big game last week. He's someone to look at. And then Chris Conley. Wait, how you go back to Conley. How could you pick someone that Hoy is throwing to? Like, how is that a good play? I'm just thinking in terms of, like, the volume that he he might get. Like, it's all about volume for yeah. me. I like guys that are going to get touches. I think he had, like, 10 or 11 targets last week, 12 the week before. It's something that you can kind of look at. Uh, he played really well last week. That, the only thing that scares me with him is the ownership. I was on him a little last week. Um, not, I'm just a little nervous in terms of how many people are going to have him this week because his salary's low and he played well last week. kind of want to get him the week before. That's why going to Chris Conley two weeks ago he had six – uh, receptions for 70 yards. I talked about uh, Alex Smith, uh, Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Oakland Raiders. He's a guy. The thing that I'm a little wary about him is Alex Smith doesn't have the greatest arm, and he's a guy that can go deep. But if he goes deep, 
He's volatile. He can put up some points for you. He's someone to target in, in terms of the low end. I'm just going with low end wide receivers because I really like I'm I really like the high end running backs this week and paying up for a quarterback. Um, I'll give you a wide out. I don't know if you consider this low end, but we already talked about what Atlanta allows for touchdowns and how I told you I think if I'm taking a quarterback, Russell Wilson is my guy at home against this Atlanta uh, defense, knowing how many touchdowns they give up. You, you said you're going to jump all over the running back, Christine Michael. Yeah. What about Doug Baldwin, 6,500? And if you look at Doug Baldwin's season, uh, the way this thing has played out, I guess if you want to look at um, you know, sort of a trend, Baldwin week one, Nine catches, 92 yards. Week two, only three catches, 20 yards. Week three, eight catches, 164 yards. And then week four, uh, before the bye week, week four, four catches, 54 yards. So he has a nice game, followed by a bad game, followed by a great game, followed by a bad game. I think Baldwin could be set up to maybe be the go-to guy here in this one against Atlanta and have a couple touchdowns. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, also, Russell Wilson, when the spread's around like six, he's asked to kind of do more in that sense. So it might be a pl- it might be me going against my own pick, but a guy like Russell Wilson going to Baldwin uh, makes a lot of sense in that spot. Also, mm-hmm. Trufant's on one side. He stays on that one side. Baldwin's in the slot, so he's not going to get Marcus Truf- uh, Desmond Trufant's coverage. So. What, um, what do you mean going against your pick? Uh, because just the numbers say that uh, Russell Wilson in this like in this situation with the spread being six or lower, I think it is, he has to do more in the, in games like that. So for that case, he's they obviously don't run the ball as much, and he's put up more fantasy points in those situations. And so, but it, knowing that, you're still going to go with Christine Michael. Well, there's a couple other running backs. All right, give me like a couple them. other running backs. Then. All right, don't hide them all from us. You're here for one reason. So I, I like Shady McCoy. I usually don't like him, but I like him. For the, for the fact that the spread is so heavy, I think it's nine. Um, that run defense in, for the 49ers isn't the greatest. Actually, they're pretty much one of the – I think they're 31st in the league at this point or 28th. I think they're 31st. Um, so he's someone I'm going after. And, all of it, and just because he's a three-down back, the volume's going to be there. Uh, Jordan Howard's another one going up against uh, the Bears. Great week last week, 28 points, and he's had double-digit points in the last three weeks. Also another guy who's getting all the touches in that offense. So, You mentioned the 49ers. Yeah. And so I can't have you leave here without asking you about, you know, the big story in the NFL this week is at the quarterback position with Colin Kaepernick getting the ball again under center for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I think this is a move they should have made two weeks ago. But right now, Colin Kaepernick, only 5000 bucks uh, going up against the good Bills defense in Buffalo. We talk about every week how you might think about going to a guy that everybody else and their mother's staying away from. Kaepernick's got big play ability. I don't think, given this matchup, given Buffalo's on a little bit of a roll here, it's in Buffalo. They got a nice defense, um, a nice pass defense. Kaepernick's first game, I think, I don't think anybody's going to pick him. But at 5,000, is he somebody that you entertain knowing that he does have the big play ability and that, that, you know, he has, I mean, look, he's taken a team to a Super Bowl before. You can't deny that. And at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, San Francisco probably should have went with him two weeks ago. Is this somebody that you consider? Kaepernick. He, he runs, he throws, but the problem is he doesn't really have anyone to throw to at this point. Also, last year in six out of the nine games he plays, I think def- opposing defenses 
put up six or more fantasy points against him. So a lot of people are going to be targeting uh, the Bills D for that reason. I'm paying up for the Bills D. Um, but just it, it could be, obviously, if they're targeting the Bills D, they're going to be off Kaepernick. So it could be a play that you could go to. Running quarterback, I just I don't know if he has the weapons around him to actually make make it in terms of like producing value. Like he could, he could get twenty points, which would be a four x from him and a five grand salary. That would be value, but I'm kind of staying away. I mean, all right, you're staying away. Does Chip Kelly the Chip Kelly factor maybe make you think a little bit more about it, knowing that everybody says that he might know how to use Kaepernick more than anybody else? I think Chip Kelly, the Chip Kelly factor makes me even like LaShawn McCoy even more just because they run so many plays. The 49ers, I think it's 23 points. It's 23. They run a play every 23 seconds, so it's a really paced-up game uh, with Chip being on the other side and Shady really? wanting to get uh, – Shady will get more opportunity – uh, and obviously he wants to get back at Chip. I think he's going to have a pretty solid game. All right, so Shady McCoy, that's your guy this week, yeah. it sounds like. I, I would have to go Shady instead of Christine Michael if I could switch it. Could I switch it? Can you switch it? I don't know. Pete, can we edit that first part out? Yeah, we could switch it. Okay, yeah, we'll switch it. <laughs> um, right. We're not really going to edit it out either. How, here's what you do. Next time when you got 45 minutes pacing around out there, figure out your top go-to pick. I know, right I know. right the I did, first time. I was, I, no, I, I know. We're just kidding. I'm right. taking them both. I would stay, both me personally, I'd stay away from Christine Michael. But anyways, it, I'd go with Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin. You want to go with a pairing? Wilson, Baldwin. Those are my guys. Those are my guys. And Shady, I like you thinking, though. Fast-paced game with Chip Kelly. They got Kaepernick. There's going to be a lot of plays in that one. Right? More opportunity. That's all All we can ask for wants is opportunity. He wants to stick it to yeah, Chip. Yeah, he wants to stick it to Chip. That might be a storyline that people might not be thinking about. Yeah, there's a little narrative right there. Because there's a different team involved, too. Yeah. So people might not even connect the dots on that. Yeah, the game flow definitely goes in And what? Wait, what's McCoy right now? Oh, he's 6900 6, I mean, he's not that cheap. He's $1,000 more than Chris, Christine Michael. Yeah. So. No, it's... Yeah, it's... I... Honestly, think that you All can right, get away. The, the people are going to go high at running back this week. Le'Veon Bell is going to be owned. McCoy, Demarco Murray, uh, Lamar Miller. There's there's so many running backs in good spots this week. It's going to be. I don't usually play three running backs on DraftKings, but probably be playing that this week. I think in a couple of my lineups. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's going up against. I mean, the Dolphins' run defense is the worst in the league. They allow 150 rush yards per game. Yeah, but Bell's 7900. I just didn't want to go there. Because yeah, you could save obvious. you could save some money going with McCoy, who's only a hundred dollars more than Michael, and I think that's a better play. As we sit here and talk about it now, McCoy is a better play than Michael. Where if you do want to go with Seattle, knowing that Atlanta gives up the most touchdowns in the league, you go with Wilson. And if you want to pair him with someone, I think Baldwin. The trend with him and the opportunity that I think Baldwin's going to have in this game to get a couple TDs is big. So yeah. maybe that's a better pairing. Wilson, if you want to go Seahawks. Wilson and Baldwin, and then for running back instead of Michael, you take Shady McCoy. Yeah, I like. I honestly really like the Wilson Baldwin play, especially Baldwin's in the slot. He's not. He doesn't have to worry about Desmond Trufant, and they give up the touchdowns, like you said. And I think Wilson's Wilson has yet to have that like thirty-five point game. This could be it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going to happen eventually. At one point, is Martellus Bennett going to be, you know, the most expensive tight end? Because he's not. I mean, the most expensive tight end's Olsen, Greg Olsen. I, I guess I can understand that with Cam Newton returning, going up against New Orleans defense. Then it's Gronk uh, at 6,700. Um, and I can understand that, I guess, because he's Gronk. But, I mean, you go all the way down, Martellus Bennett, 
4,500. What do you have, three touchdowns he last had, week? He had three and, TDs. And, and he seems to have a new best friend in Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, very interesting offense. I, I don't know why any um, NFL like teams have tried to emulate this offense with the two tight ends, Seth, two tight ends, or just the tight ends and the slot receiver. It seems like everyone's kind of stuck in that way of playing on the outside. Uh, very dynamic offense the Patriots have at this point. I think it's probably the – I would say it might be the most dynamic offense in the history of the league. Watch, watch when they get Deion Lewis back. It's going to be more of a problem. Um. All right, so so what? Stay away from Bennett? Is that what you're saying? Uh, this week I'm sprinkling in, but I like Gronk this week. I think Gronk has to get going. Like, he has to get going. He's going to score eventually. Like, this This could be – this is probably the week. I think they're going to – they're going to be showcased. You can get two this week. Who knows? All right. So best bang for your buck. I best mid to low buy. Best mid to low buy for, for week six. Best mid to low buy? Best bang for your buck. It's a segment we do, we've do. we been doing every week. Hope you hope you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, my best mid to low buy. Uh, so, I don't know. I was going to say. We want you to know. Like, I, I want you to know what. Uh, no, I know. Best bang best, for your best buck. Best bang for my buck. I, it's, this is like really low. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna I, I I'm gonna go Teddy Ginn. I think he's gonna have a big week. He could flop. He could he could bust out. But I think this is gonna be the week for Ted Ginn. He's my uh, low buy. Thirty nine hundred. Thirty nine hundred for Ted Ginn. Yeah, this is that's like really that's bold, man. I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? I did. did I want you to know. I, I want you to be confident in these picks. Yeah, Ted Ted Ginn. Were um, you saying you don't know about Jonas Gray and then you want a million? I no, I was pretty I was on I put it this way. Ted Ginn's gonna have a How good much week. was Jonas Gray? What was his three price? Three grand. He was three grand. He liked ten X. Could Ted could Ted Ginn be your your next Jonas Gray? Uh, not in terms of like uh, he could be pretty good this week for you. I could see him four X and this it's pretty it, it it's doable, and I don't think his own. I think people are gonna be on Benjamin Olsen, Sneed, Cooks. You, you want to stay, stay away from them. Want to stay away. I like Sneed, but uh, everyone's not, gonna have. Him. I don't. I don't think I'm Benjamin and Olsen. I'm kind of gonna go in other directions uh, this week. All right, there you go. He is Rob Gomes. Um, what's your Twitter account again? I Bo- Bobby Gomes DFS. At Bobby Gomes DFS. Maybe maybe get a tweet out for the boys. Yeah, maybe tweet out Just for a couple the boys. tweets. Couple tweets. Uh, a conversation with daily fantasy sports expert Rob Gomes, presented by CrossFit 617. Train hard, live healthy, feel better. Sign up today for a free one-week trial at CrossFit617.com. All right, Rob, you had a good week last week. I hope you had a good week this week, too. And um, we'll be back next Friday to react to it and break it all down. Good yeah, luck. Great. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, great stuff right there from Rob Gomes, our daily fantasy football expert. Make sure you listen to that segment as he joins me every single Friday. Uh, Take his advice because, who knows, you could be the next millionaire maker in your daily fantasy football tournament. So now, as I do every single Friday, I close out the show with the segment we call Picks, Picks. Five NFL games with the spread. Now, I went one and three last week. Well, one, three, and one last week. 
Yeah, that's right. I had a push, and I count that as a tie. I don't count that as a loss. One, three, and one. I'm 8-16-1 on the season. It's not a good record, but there's plenty of time to get back to 500, especially when I go 5-0 and in week six. Pete, hit the music right now for me, would you? Let's get it going. Let's get fired up. I got four home teams this week. All of my teams are favorites. All five teams are favorites, but four of them are home teams, one road team. Well, I'll begin with that road team, I guess. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, an eight-point favorite on the road in Miami against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are brutal. They're 1-4. Miami's only win this season. You know what came against? The Cleveland Browns. The Browns are terrible. They're 0-5. Miami, that's the only win. The Dolphins have the worst run defense in all of football, allowing 150 rush yards per game. Now that sets you up for Le'Veon Bell having a big day. He's been back and he's been maybe better than ever. Le'Veon Bell, since returning from the three-game suspension, has certainly been that other weapon that Ben Roethlisberger must love on that Pittsburgh offense. I expect the Steelers to win and win at least by 10 in this one. So I'm taking Pittsburgh minus eight. And it's not even necessarily because Le'Veon Bell could have a big day. In fact, if I'm Miami, I'm doing everything I can to make sure Le'Veon Bell doesn't beat me, which could actually end up opening everything up for Ben Roethlisberger deep down the field. I expect Big Ben to go on the road as an eight-point favorite and put up some big numbers. And again, Pittsburgh wins this one by at least 10 against the brutal Dolphins team. Pittsburgh minus eight. Then... Of course, I'm going with the New England Patriots. I already sort of teased that pick. Patriots are a nine-point favorite. They come home. Tom Brady returns home after whooping the Browns last week, throwing for 400 yards on the road. I don't know if he'll throw for 400, but he'll certainly throw for 300, and that'll be good enough to beat Cincinnati by at least 10. The, the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know what to think about them. They're two and three. You'd like to think that at some point they turn it around. They're coming off a 28-14 loss to the Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, the Bengals' only two wins are against the 1-4 Jets and the 1-4 Dolphins, and they weren't necessarily convincing wins. They weren't too convincing. Cincinnati has a decent pass defense, but I do think Brady returning to Gillette, still being fired up with what's going on right now with the deflategate suspension. I think that's going to last all season long. I think he has another big week. He's got so many weapons. Patriots are going to win this one, and they're going to win it big. If Cincinnati does turn it around, this will not be the week, and this will not be the place at Gillette Stadium. Patriots, minus nine. Then I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. They're a six-point favorite. Uh, I expect them at home to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta's 4-1. And Atlanta has proven me wrong, all right? They have some impressive wins against the 4-1 Raiders team, uh, against that reigning NFC champion Carolina Panthers, even though the Panthers have struggled this season. I mean, look, you beat the Panthers, you know, they're still the reigning NFC champion. That's a good win for you. And then last week in Denver, Atlanta gives the Broncos last week their first loss of the year, and it's in Denver. Atlanta's proven me wrong. They're 4-1. Still, still, Seattle has the second-best pass defense in the league, combined with Atlanta, allowing the most touchdowns in the league through Week 5. 
It's in Seattle. Russell Wilson is great at home. I'm sorry. I got to take the Seahawks. Seahawks are 3-1. and one. Uh, You know, they're the first place team in their division, even though it really hasn't been too convincing. They're 2-0 and oh at home. I-, I just think that the Falcons are sort of due for some type of loss. And if it's going to come, it's going to come on the road against the great pass defense and against the Seattle team that loves playing in their own building. So I'm going with the Seahawks minus six over the Falcons in this one. Then Green Bay, a four-point favorite. I'm taking the Packers over the Dallas Cowboys. This one is in Green Bay. No Tony Romo once again. No, at some point they might go back to Romo. It's going to be Dak Prescott. And obviously we know the two-headed monster right now for Dallas it's the rookie two-headed monster, Prescott, and the running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, we're getting a good glimpse into the Dallas Cowboys' future right now. But Green Bay, I guess you could look at them and say the time is now. Though They've struggled offensively in the second halves of games here this season. And somehow at 3-1, and one, they're looking up in the standings to the 5-0 and Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North. Um, someone's win streak is going to be snapped in this one, Green Bay-Dallas. I'm betting on the Packers' stingy run defense. They have one of the best run defenses in all of football. In fact, if you look at the numbers, they have the best run defense. The Packers only allow 43 rush yards per game. That does not bode well for Ezekiel Elliott. I think they, they really keep Ezekiel Elliott sort of to a pedestrian game, maybe even worse than that. And at that point... They're going to force Dak Prescott to make some big plays down the field. Prescott has yet to turn the ball over this season. He has not thrown an interception. That's what impresses me most about the rookie. However, he is going to throw a pick this year, and it is going to be in Green Bay. Give me the Packers and their home field at Lambeau all day in this one. I'm taking Green Bay minus four. And then my fifth and final pick, the Houston Texans. A three-point favorite. I'm taking Houston at home over the Indianapolis Colts. Houston has the best pass defense in the league, allowing 181 yards in the air per game. That's it. Meanwhile, the Colts, they have the worst pass defense in all of football, allowing 301 pass yards per game. Brock Osweiler, I'm not a big fan of his, but the Texans quarterback, Brock Osweiler, he should have a big day at home. What's this, Sunday night football? He should have a big night against Indy's brutal pass defense. This is a dogfight in the division. Right now, Houston's in first place. The Indianapolis Colts, they're two and three. Uh, Both of their wins have been in dramatic comeback fashion. Texans, though, undefeated at home. I expect them to be 4-0 at home when week six is said and done, and Osweiler to have a big day against the brutal Colts pass defense. I'm taking Houston at home as a three point favorite. So, here are my picks for week six in the NFL. I'm going Pittsburgh minus eight, New England minus nine, Seattle minus six, Green Bay minus four, and Houston minus three. That has five and all written all over it, okay? Written all over it. Make sure you listen to Picks Picks every Friday. Special thanks to Rob Gomes coming in, helping us all win a million this weekend. Pete, nice job over there behind the glass, even though there's no glass in front of you. One day we'll get some glass in front of you. 
one day. And uh, thanks for joining me. You can get this podcast whenever you want, though we only broadcast Mondays and Fridays here during the NFL season. Once the NFL season's over, maybe we'll change the schedule a little bit. But that's what we have right now during the NFL season, Mondays and Fridays. Make sure you subscribe at dannypicard.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, The list goes on. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can get this show. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. A little weekend schedule for myself in case you're trying to figure out when I'm going to be on the radio. I'm actually on tonight, on this Friday night, WEEI, 6 to 10 p.m., and then tomorrow on Saturday, 4 to 7 p.m. So that's my weekend schedule, and uh, I'll be back on Monday. To go over my picks, to go over Major League Baseball postseason, we'll take a look at the NHL season, which has begun. And uh, there is the one NHL storyline I guess I'm going to close out the show with that I, I didn't get to at the beginning. Austin Matthews. You hear this story? You see this kid for Toronto? The number one overall pick. This is the biggest story in the NHL in the opening week, opening weekend. Austin Matthews, number one overall pick for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Four goals in his debut. Four goals. Now, I don't know if everybody in Toronto cares because they got the Blue Jays about to go on a roll and win the World Series. But if they do care, Austin Matthews, four goals in his debut, and they were filthy goals. His reaction to it was great because he acted like he does it every every game. I forget who tweeted it out. It was an NHL player tweeted, Austin Matthews, uh, welcome to our beer league. <laughs> And the best shirt that you're going to see on this, Boston Sports has it. Austin 316. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, but maybe, just maybe, the best part about the whole damn thing, Austin Matthews, Austin 316, says, I just whooped your ass four goals in his debut. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? Maple Leafs lost 5-4 in overtime to the Ottawa Senators. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you Monday.